but there comes a point and this was the experience we had with this designer where you do need the academics you do need the rationale behind why you're choosing a certain color why you're having this decision why hello friend and welcome back to another episode of do i need school to be the podcast in which me, Alex, is going to sit down with creatives and ask them about their journey into the creative field, focusing on their education, the teachers who shaped them, the books who shaped them, the movies, in general, what their journey was like. If you're somebody who is thinking about entering the creative field, I hope this show will be a resource to you and show you that we all have different paths and they are all valid. So let's go. And here we are in part two of my interview with Chris Locke. In case you didn't listen to the last episode, and I really recommend you do before you listen to this one, uh, Chris is an industrial designer, a business owner, a speaker, an all-around awesome human being who spoke to us about his experience going from medical school to switching to engineering, then starting combining school and work. Working then in a production company, then starting his own business, keeping his old job as a client, which I think is pretty impressive. And now we are going to talk about education, but from a different perspective that we have before, because Chris has the combined experience of studying in Latin America and living in Europe and, exper and experiencing both sides of the Atlantic Ocean, I guess. So we are going to talk about how studying in a different country can really shape you as a designer. So here's my conversation with Chris Locke. And on that on that topic, I want to know, like, how did you see like the two educations pair up? Have you had that experience with the two? Well, I think you mentioned it, and I think we mentioned it together a little bit back. It's about maturity. I think you mentioned clients don't know what they want in Latin America, and clients here. I think they still don't know what they want, but they know a little bit more. There's, And I think it's what we talked about, this maturity. I think the industry is at different stages of design maturity. Here, you know you want UX, you know you want behavioral design research, you know, because it's trending, it's all around you, you hear about it, you see your other companies doing it. Latin America, that, that doesn't happen. And I think design education precisely is is in the same sort of realm they're still also a bit behind i think they're catching up fast especially now that through the pandemic there's no more borders it's catching up for just to give you an example when i came to spain so i live in madrid right now when i uh left buenos aires about a year and a half ago there was very little movement so i'd say maybe two or three years ago tops two years ago There was very little talk about design sprints, about sprints and say UX design, human-centered design. It was very fringy kind of design trends. So someone that was in innovation, like we were, you would know about it. We knew how to do design sprints like three or four years ago when uh, we read the sprint book, the Jake Knapp book, then AJ and Smart. If I wanted to sell a design sprint to a client, they'd be like, what? I, I just have to say, like, yeah, we're going to do a workshop and you're going to like it and it's give you a lot of uh, added value. But they have no idea what we were going to offer. And it was really hard. That was actually something very interesting. We struggled a lot with clients to help them understand the strategic um, side to design, not just like, hey, we're going to make something cosmetically nice for you, but we're going to give you this clarity on how to communicate your brand better or your product better or build a product that's going to communicate better with your audience. Um, but that's a different topic. But going back to education, um, I think, yeah, education, the curriculum, it, 
at least from my experience, are a little behind what's trending. I think it takes time for curriculums in academics and traditional academics to get updated. They do get updated, but it's they're usually a year or two behind the country's design maturity, if that makes any sense. Um, so I, I remember when I finished industrial design, there was things that I, tools that I was, I was using because I was working. So in my case, I was using SolidWorks. I was using Keisha. I was using V-Ray. I was using, and I was, cause I wanted to learn new tools and my, my classmates were also, but none of that was taught at school. So we didn't know what tools to use from school, but from experience. So I think in Latin America, you learn much more and this was actually something that happened with one of our employees. Uh, he was one of our first employees. I think uh, he was our third or fourth employee. Uh, and he was also studying industrial design about four years, five years behind behind when I, I finished. And what he started working with us while he was studying. And basically he said he would have um, trouble in school, uh, in, I mean, with his teachers, because he was looking at his problems, uh, his designs from our point of view. So how do we create business value? How do we create something that creates impact? What? Why are we designing this like this and not like that? You know, thinking that kind of rationale. But he was going to school and his, his teachers just, you know, either were old school, just thinking about cosmetics or their, their corrections were very subjective like they weren't objective on and he would get totally frustrated because yeah he understands that that's how they're teaching they're training you on one specific thing but he was already because of the experience he was having with us he was ahead of that um in his his personal skills so he's like what's the, he would ask questions back to teachers and challenge them and i remember that that so that that was like okay we're definitely ahead of what what what's happening but that also showed how behind the schools were to what was actually happening in real life. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. And here in Europe, or I don't know if it's just here in Europe, but I see there are a lot more boot camps now for UX, for UI. There's a lot of online courses, and I think they're good. Um, but I've also had the experience of working with designers that are only boot camp um, taught. I don't know if that's properly said. Someone that yeah, didn't go, yeah, someone that didn't go through the 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 academics of design, if you want, you know, understanding the basics, color, form, history, like I mentioned, you know, going through that process, um, and just went straight into like I like UX UI. I'm sort of self-taught. I did a boot camp, and I think that's awesome to do that. But there comes a point, and this was the experience we had with this designer where you do need the academics. You do need the rationale behind why you're choosing a certain color, why you're having this decision, why. There's the reason that there's, at least in industrial design, there's basics. They teach you something that's called monge, you know, the different views of a product or, or an object. And of course, when we actually, when I was in fourth year sitting down to design a product, I would do it in the computer on SolidWorks and all, all the blueprints would come out of the computer. In the first years, I had to do them manually. And I, I was frustrated about that, but because I did it manually and because I also learned how to do them properly. So then the computer would throw something at me that was not proper and I knew it was not proper. But I was just going down down the industrial <laughs> side. But I think boot camps are good. They are Kickstarters. Um, and they're good if you're transitioning from one discipline to another. But I 
this is my personal opinion, but I think the academics are there for, even if they might feel old school, they give you a base that you need to understand. You need to understand what happened in Bauhaus. You need to understand uh, who Le Corbusier was. You need to understand how, I don't know, design evolved over the years. Because if not, you're going to come up with something like, oh, this is super innovative. And it's something that someone did. It could be innovative today, but it's something that has already been thought done in, I don't know, Scandinavian design 30, 40 years ago. Um, if you didn't have that formal education, you might not understand that. You might not have that context. And putting a practical example to this, this designer was had a very good eye. So he was talented that he could see things um, and place them properly. But there, there was no rationale behind his decisions. Like, why this color? Why that decision? Why is this place like this? Why is this place like that? It was just because he didn't have a proper structure to his designs. So not, I don't have the word structure, but uh, a, a mental structure to why what his process was. And I think academics sort of give you a process which then you can break and, and twist around, but you have a baseline. And I think it's the same analogy that I was mentioning with our company. Do the proper basics, build the foundations properly. And then once, once you start growing exponentially, do whatever you want. You can just fly, create a unicorn, I don't know, build a train that goes underwater. I don't know. But <laughs> at the beginning, I think it's, you do have, to, it's sort of this scenario of experiment, try, even if you don't like it, go through the process because it's going to give you the tool set that you need, like your toolbox as a designer. It, uh, someone that does a bootcamp has part of those tools, but doesn't have others because basically that's what a bootcamp is, is we'll just show you this, this part of that. And I think going back, my conclusion to that big ramble <laughs> was I do see more specialists that have done only a boot camp and have done only a specialty. And they might be really good at that little niche, but they don't have the academics. So they can't, it's not easy for them to pivot if they had to. Or if in the future, uh, now UX design breaks up into these five different disciplines, they, they don't have the foundations to go like, okay, now I can just, you know, move my little piece from one side to the other. For example, I mentioned I started industrial design. I studied industrial design, I mean. But while I was working, I had to transition to graphic because I was doing a lot of graphic work. And even though I did not study graphic design, in the four years of study, I had to do all my graphic designs for my designs, my presentation. So I had a lot of the foundations of graphic design, even though I was not a graphic designer, that gave me the tool set. So, you know, now I have to create a graphic design. Okay, I might not have specialty in typography or in, in, in things that are more into or lettering or anything like that, but I did have the foundation enough so I could actually go into that field um, without feeling like I'm totally new at this, if that makes any what sense. <laughs> does it does it's really clean you're the first person actually that 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 addresses that that is a yeah formal education it gives you a good base you're the first person who says that <laughs> and I, I sometimes i feel very alone because i'm somebody that chose formal education like i i went to like yeah i the education i have is not enough i'm gonna go and i do a second degree more pinpointed not gonna use this time and to bring it back to what you said in the beginning i do think formal education gives you a more holistic view of everything mm -hmm. That it's not just the one thing that you are, because in the beginning, most programs are very general and then you pinpoint what you want to do. Yeah. And it allows you to pivot because if you, 
learned, let's say, knitting only from your own experience, you only know what you know. But then exactly. if you learn from others, then you're like, oh, wait, there's more types of knitting, not just the one that I do. Well, th that, that uh, you just nailed something that's also, I feel, is very important. Um, I think most of these boot camps are online uh, or are some might be presential, but it's more of a self-learning course where like you'll see a video, you'll practice it. And there's something about academics where you're in a, I know we had every, I think it was quarter or every year or every semester, you would present your projects and you would see what other students did in other classes. And that kind of references and seeing what, how someone else solved a similar problem, that enriched, enriched your own perspective a lot. Maybe you designed something you're like, at that point, you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is the best design ever. And then you'd go out to this expo, this uni expo, and you'd be like, oh, wow, my wow design is a three compared to that. That's like a 12. Like, how did that happen? That pushes you up. And I think if you if you just do a boot camp, just digitally, just you're very like you have this kind of like tunnel vision of what you did. And there's a lot that's happening around that or, or outside of that. Um, for example, I remember some time back uh, I did a, a, a small lecture um, at a university here on low touch economy. And I remember it was a one hour or hour and a half lecture. It was, it was fun talk. There was a lot of master's students. And these are, you know, kids that are already working for several years. They're, they're you know, they have experience on top. No one knew what a, or I think one or two knew what a design sprint was. Very few knew about trends that were happening. And I was like, how do you not know this? Like, I, obviously I work in this, but this is what you, you have to know. <laughs> I was like, I would get excited in the class. And I was like, I'm just going to explain what a design sprint is to everyone else. So first, I just go through it because I was like, this, these are like basic, I feel they're basic things today. Everyone should know it, at least know what it's about. Um, but I found most in that class of, I think it was like 20 people, only one or two knew what it was, not even knew how to execute it or had practiced it. And I was like, that's very curious. So these are probably people that, you know, and even they probably went through a formal education, but on one area. And mm -hmm. that sort of, this is my sort of epiphany moment right here. But I think it's probably something that happens here as well is boot camp are probably a little ahead of their time versus the the traditional academics. And that's what makes boot camps so attractive. Um, mm -hmm. There's like this new trend. Someone will put together a new teachable course and it's online and you can start doing it from someone that is a specialist, specialist in UI, UX or whatever. Um, academics take much more time to get approved and to go out and, you know, to have the proper. And I think it's, I would recommend a mix of both. Like find something that covers enough ground in the academics part and then specialize in something. And you're going to mm -hmm. be much better prepared to do that than if you just go straight into a boot camp. I don't Epiphany. know. Yeah. Epiphany. Epiphany. That, that's great. That's great. I think like a healthy balance of both. I think that's the, that's the key. And also look at what you need as a person, like what your individual needs are. Maybe you need only a boot camp. Maybe you need a more holistic approach. Maybe you need more. Yeah. It really depends on the person. And just to like share a little story about, like, I also think those moments of seeing what other people are doing are super important. I did a project in which, in university, in which it was about um, changing a book, 
how you can use inter the internet to change a book. That way books can be updatable. You can update a book as well. Yeah. And somebody else did something very similar. Uh, he did it with ID tags, like putting ID tags in the book. Yeah. And then you put your phone and then the, the book changes. I did it with QR codes and that you can scan and then the text changes so you get a picture and so on. And I remember my professors were like, yeah, but why did you do like super innovative with ID tags and so on? And I thought, okay, my idea with this is this is a printable thing that a teacher in Latin America who wants to update a book can print for their students. Yeah, That's my idea. So a teacher in Latin America is not going to have an access to an ID tag or know how to program it. It's going to be like too, like too many steps for them. I would rather use a QR code that it's easy to scan. They can just use very quickly. And then you see, okay, everybody has a different background. They have different things in mind. They have a different way to get maybe to a design that's very similar but it's for completely different audiences because of their experience. Yeah. And when you don't have that access to those peer groups or to other people that become your teachers, you're missing out on something. I think you just hit a very interesting topic there, which is around democratizing education or if you want design education. And I think, um, I don't know, universities here in Europe or in the US cost a fortune, right? So like if you go to uni, you're probably gonna be in debt. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> but, I'm very, I'm very lucky that I'm not. But I, I am, I am the small, I am, I am the small minority of people who got lucky and are not. But yeah, it's a real problem. Like coming out of uni with hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt crazy. is a normal thing in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, and, and and exactly, and that's crazy. And and Argentina is the same thing. Uh, you can go to uni, finish uni, and not be in debt. You're in zero debt, and that's, I think, that's amazing. Like. Being here now, I talk to friends or colleagues and like, yeah, I'm still paying off uni. I'm like, but you're like 36. <laughs> like, what's happening? Like, how are you still paying for uni? Um, so anyways, I think there's this also, I understand why boot camps are also so popular because if you're in, in a country and maybe you can't afford a formal education um, and go through a 30,000, 50,000 a year course, yeah, of course, boot camps become something more interesting. Uh, and, and I understand the attractiveness of, you know, going to something like that. Um, so I think context definitely affects that. Of course. Um, I think there's totally another podcast topic is, I think education is definitely needs to be democratized, needs to be more available to everyone. And I felt more, I felt it more here in Europe than I did in Latin America. But I've, I felt the education system is a bit like a business more than actually an education system. So I've spoken with several people about this where someone that finishes uni, I don't know about Mexico because I didn't study there, but someone that finishes a full degree in Argentina will have similar qualifications or experience to someone that finishes a master's degree in Europe. And that's very, especially in, in, in careers like architecture or something like that. Um, and what I, I started talking to people that were teachers here and that are not from here, and they mentioned, yeah, because it's set up to be a bit of a business. It's set up to, instead of doing a six-year course that gives you the full uh, degree and master's, they break it into an undergrad four or three or four year, and then a postgrad three or four year, and then they it's all marketed. So you, all, you, you finish school, then you have to do a master's, then you have to do a PhD. And I know people, uh, friends I play soccer with, which have PhDs, but have almost no work experience. And I, I, that like blows my mind. Like, how is that possible? Um, 
but you if you go look for a job everyone asks for a master's degree a phd degree and and i think that's very it's curious like what's more is it because everyone is asking for a master's that you want a master's or is it because you're actually interested in that experience um i don't know it's 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 very i have so many thoughts about master (laughs) degrees i have so many thoughts because I don't, I've seen people like oh, a good friend of mine. He graduated from uh, BA in city planning, plant city design. I don't know, like the people who plan cities. Yeah, it's not an architect. It's not a civil engineer. It's the people who plan cities. And then he, I asked him like, "Yeah, are you gonna work afterwards?" And he's like, "No, I'm gonna do a master's, like the most natural thing." And I said, "Okay, what's your master's in?" And he's like, "Oh, it's the same thing, city design." Yeah. But what? Why? So his girlfriend did something different. She graduated in city planning. City planning, I think that's the proper name. And then she did a master's in affordable housing. So mix. that makes sense to me. So you do yeah. a BA and then you do a master's in something more specialized and more pinpoints. Again, you get the general view first and then you specialize in something. But even if she doesn't work in affordable housing, she can still have the rest. Yeah. But and I asked him, like, like what? but when, when you did the master's, what did you do? And he said, oh, basically the same, just the same thing. So that's a weird, that's a weird setup that I see. Be like, I mean, wearing like creative education or creative fitnesses or whatever. It should be like more not, ha- it has to be handled like a business. I see what is handled like a business, but there's a way to making of building a business that's also profitable for the student and profitable for the person. Yeah. And then there's also this gigantic thing, like, if you go to go to work in an agency, oh, we want you to have a master's degree. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? You need to know first what I know. You don't know what I know. Hey, friend, it's Alex. Just interrupting this conversation to remind you that in order to have the optimal experience and enjoy all the links in the show notes, you can subscribe to the show on any platform you're using to listen to this podcast. And yeah, it supports the show. It will improve the algorithm for you. So it would show you more shows like this one that you will potentially like. And if you wish to support the show, you can follow us on social media. All the links are in the show notes, as well as a link to buy me a coffee, which yeah, will help pay for the hosting. And I also love coffee. But enough of my babble. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, if it's an MBA, I'd say, okay, and you're a designer, I'm like, that's a very interesting mix. Like, you studied some kind of design, and then you have a master's in business administration. I'm like, wow, you have these two worlds. That sounds very interesting. Or you do something, like you mentioned, that complements it or that gives you skills that you might have not studied in school. I'm into that. But also, when I mentioned the democratizing design, I think back, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but last year I also joined ADP List, uh, this mentoring mm-hmm. platform. And la- over the last year, or no, over last year, this 2020, I mentored, I think it was something like 50 or 40, 50 uh, mentees. And these were designers. I had a lot of time. There was a pandemic going on, right? Oh, yeah. You had a lot. <laughs> That's one question. I was like, how are you running a business and mentee 40 people? Oh, wait, there was a pandemic. Yes. Yeah, I, I was like stuck at home and I need to like connect with people. So I was like, yeah, let's do this mentee thing. Uh, when it started, it was just this Excel sheet. And then, you know, people started joining. It's an awesome project. I really like what they're doing. Uh, but basically what I, I learned a lot from the, what I'm telling you now about 
these different design trees. I learned a lot about that with, during that period because I was suddenly connecting to a designer in Mexico, a designer in the U.S., a designer in Africa, a designer in India, a designer in Australia, Germany, and the profiles were so different. So I started understanding how the needs were different to each different area and and profile. And that you just reminded me of that when we talked about uh, boot camp, boot camp, um, bootstraps. I was going to say, but boot camps for design, uh, bootstrapping your business. No. Yeah. Also, boot camps in design, where there's one one of my uh, one of the mentees I had. There was actually a couple, were from uh, India and Africa, uh, and actually Thailand as well. Now that I remember, um, and these the were people that, you know, did not have a formal education, couldn't, a uh, formal education in, in a university education, I mean, um, they could probably not afford a university education in one of these, you know, in Europe, in the U.S., or in a country where th that the academics are enough, uh, developed enough so that if, when they finish, they can get a job, and they're not studying, you know, something prehistoric, um, and this was a challenge that th this person would tell me. It was like, yeah, I, I wanted to go to school, but, you know, in school, they're teaching me things that are, imagine if we're saying Latin America is 10 years, we're probably talking about like 12 years behind. And they don't have the, the UX or UI that I want to study, so I'm doing a boot camp. I was like, wow, I understand where he is. This is someone where he wants to study this. this he knows because it's internet, right? So you know what's happening. You want to study it, but you don't have access to it. You can't, he's not going to move to Europe to study. He's not going to move to the U.S. to study. So he's sort of self-taught, and I've seen him evolve over the last year and a half. And I think if you're in that kind of, or at least this specific case, since he has this resilience and this tenacity, he's like, I want to learn it. I want to learn it. He does one boot camp, then he does another boot camp, then he does another boot camp, then he does another. And, and he's practicing and he's learning. So this is kind of the, the B side to what I mentioned earlier. Yeah, probably he probably doesn't have the, the formal... Uh, traditional academics, but he's connected enough boot camps, if you want, uh, enough different variety of courses to sort of balance that out. And I think I hadn't thought about this example before, but that example has a similar sort of variety to what you would have in a traditional education. And I think that's maybe the key to boot, boot camping, um, where you're not just doing one course and I'm now I'm the best UI designer ever. No, you're, you still have years of experience to go. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but in the case of this person, it sounds like they're designing their own education, that they're looking at what exactly. they want to do and they're putting it, essentially they're putting their own syllabus together. Exactly. Which is, depending how good they are at, you know, connecting those dots, that it'll be better or worse. And I think huh, there's a business idea. Um <laughs> Uh, don't say it. Don't, don't, don't say it. We can talk about it later. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. That's something that, that like, what if you could put together different courses of different curriculums and get the best and have this sort of democratized education available and accessible to everyone? And I think what platforms like Design Buddies or ADP List does is, since they're, I, I think Design Buddies is free. I'm not sure, but ADP List is free. You talk to people that are years ahead of you, and they'll go, like, if you talk to me, a starting UI designer, UX designer, that's like, how can I stand out in business and get a job? I'm going to tell you from my experience, you need to have be multi-designer view, like, understand a bit about business, understand a bit about users, understand 
I don't know, you like finances, understand finances, because those are the tools that are going to make you stand out in the industry. And there's another mentee that I'm thinking about now. She was a chemical engineer. So very interesting profile. So okay. she did a traditional academics of, I don't know how many in, years that is. That's probably like six years of chemical engineering. She worked for a big pharmaceutical company, but she was interested in transitioning to UX. Um, and when we st- started talking, she's like, I don't know how to do that transition. And in her case, yeah, it was do a boot camp. Don't go again through a traditional because she already had a certain base. But what I helped her sort of focus or find was, Find your niche. She knows uh, loads about engineering, about chemistry, about you know what she's been doing for the last 10 years or six years or eight years. I don't remember the number. That's an industry that has very little UX, UI, and people don't think about, oh, I want to be a UI designer so I can work in the pharmaceutical industry with chemical engineers. Like, how would I, and I have more than 10 years of experience, how would I host, uh, facilitate a workshop for a chemical engineering company where I'm not going to understand what they're talking about, even with my three years of med school. Um, <laughs> like that's your niche. Like you can go into a company that is probably old school that needs to innovate, that needs to you know work on their processes, and connect with them in a way that no other designers will be able to. I'm like, that's what you need to understand, and that's where you need to attack, and that's what she's doing now. <laughs> um, so that's that's pretty sweet. But that's what I think it's all about. I think. Uh, I don't know, you did three years of med school and then you studied design. Maybe I should have looked for, you know, something in that would help that, like design products for for hospitality, uh, hospital hospitality, or, you know, there's a bunch of areas, but I think you need to just not, she was very worried of like, how can I do what everyone else is doing? And I think the the thinking has to be, how can I do what's more in line with me rather than what everyone else is doing? That is amazing and a great way to finish this episode, I think. It, yeah. It's it's so pure. So <laughs> now, now, now that we're at the end, I would like to ask you, is there anything that you can recommend a young designer, a person that's pivoting, or a person that's transitioning? Is there any books, movies, courses? You can recommend your own business as a uh, coach. You can recommend yourself too. Um, yeah, I would say the single thing that you can do that will help bootstrap your career or will help you get that that kind of orientation or build your self uh, curriculum or whatever get a mentor um even if it's uh on a platform like adp list i will give you 30 minutes free or whatever mm-hmm. but find someone that you can use as a, an accountability buddy that will guide you that will you know even if it's just a little like go this way go that way look take a look at this find and i'm not saying just one mentor find people that are where you want to be in five, 10 years and try to be as close to them as possible. Collaborate, participate. Part- I think that's what the best tip that can get you uh, accelerate your career more than reading a book, more than uh, taking a certain course. I think it's all about, you know, building that those relationships. And I think the 2000s were was the the two decades of customer centric design customer centric everything i think we're in the 2020s are it's the decade or the two decades if you want of relationship centric experiences and i think especially now pandemic and remote build relationships don't just go out and say like hey can you look at my portfolio build try to uh, create 
like you would in a bar or in a like with a real person because you're actually talking to a real person create relationships with your clients with your peers with people that you look up to because that's what's gonna help trigger you and help push you up does that make sense with your answer or did i <laughs> No, it, it, it does. It's perfect. And I will definitely list ADP in the show notes so people have access to that. Cool. And I will look for a couple more resources in finding a mentor and helping people because, yeah, that's super valuable. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you so much. This is a really great time. Thank you. Thank you, Alejandra. Uh, I was calling you Alex in the beginning, but Alejandra. <laughs> Both are fine. Both are fine. Okay. And we made it to the end of our first two-part episode. How did that go? Did you like it? I personally like it. I, I like shorter format podcasts, so trying to stick under 45 minutes and lately has been really hard. So dividing this episode into two parts, I think, was definitely the right, the right choice because we got to go deep into two different sides of education, like really going into a formal education, like how formal education can change depending on where you are. And on the first part, we talk about the importance of formal education and practice together. So I think this was super insightful. I really hope you will take Chris's advice and try to find a mentor. I mean, there's so many ways to do it. If you go back to my episode with uh, Josh Loera, he actually has a mentor that he found on Patreon. And everybody has had somebody that has shaped them in a different way. If you go back to Ikanem's episode, which was uh, two weeks ago, she speaks about how her mentor helped her really find her path and just by suggesting have you thought about this so there's really a lot of value and i will link chris's profile on adp in case you want to check him out that's you'll find that in the bio as well as all his social medias as links to miro innovations and to his initiative of innovation talks which is done with claudia meyer who is a coach for creatives and they talk about really interesting things they always have a guest it's it, it's really it's a live podcast. It's, it's honestly a really cool conversation. And if you like these two episodes, you will love that as well. So I will link that in the bio as well. And as we come to the end of the show, I want to thank you for joining me on another episode and giving me your time. I hope you're enjoying these conversations and please subscribe to the show and give us a review or give us any feedback. You can reach out to us on social media as well. All the links are in the show notes to let us know if you have questions you would like to ask creatives what would you would like to learn if you have somebody to recommend please let us know i am here to make something great for you that said again thank you and hope to be again in your ears next week keep learning and stay curious bye <laughs>